All right, everybody, we're diving back into the book of Ephesians. If you didn't know, we have been in the book of Ephesians the last few Wednesday nights. Has anybody enjoyed our Ephesians Bible study? Just wave at me. Okay, awesome. I think, honestly, I think I've enjoyed it the most out of everybody because this has been so fun for me just to dive into the Word and really dissect it, and I'm, I'm just having a blast. Um, tonight, we're going to throw a little bit of curveball your way, so we've been doing chapter by chapter. Um, so tonight is Ephesians chapter 3, but we're going to do Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4 tonight. Come on, somebody. You ready for it? Now take a deep breath. All right, we're going to do we're going to get through this together. I got a lot of slides to get through, but I, I promise you there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to do chapter 3 and chapter 4. The first reason is that chapter 3 revolves around the mystery. Everyone say mystery. Mystery of the gospel. We talked about the mystery in chapter one. And so um, that along with the second reason that I really wanted to do chapter three and chapter four together. Did you know that when Paul was writing these letters, he didn't break it up into chapters and verses? Anybody knew that? The Bible, in fact, the entirety of the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses. It was written in books, in, in whole ideas. And so a lot of times what we have to do as Christians, as readers of the Bible, is sometimes get out of that, that box, that mindset, right? And so if you're anything like me, like I try to read three chapters every single day. No matter where I'm at, if my third chapter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it and, and save it for the next day. And so a lot of times what happens is I'll cut off an idea right there just by stopping at a chapter. And so a lot of times it's important to understand this, that sometimes you got to get outside of that chapter verse context and look at the holistic idea of what's being said. This is what we see here in Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4 is Paul is writing and, and really laying out this beautiful idea about the body of Christ, the church, and I think to break up 3 and 4 is going to do an in, injustice to it. And so we're going to get through uh, uh, both chapter 3, chapter 4, um, and it's going to be a great time. So here's the idea, just a little recap from last week. The idea from Ephesians chapter 2 is this, by grace, through faith, I have been brought close to God. By faith, through faith, by grace, through faith, I have been brought close to God. Here's the idea for Ephesians chapter 3 through chapter 4. I am loved by Christ, discipled by his people, and walk in holiness. Can we say that together? Let's read it together. I am loved by Christ, discipled by his people, and walk in holiness. Amen, amen. Come on, let's pray as we invite the Holy Spirit here. Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's already in this place, God. We're so appreciative of all that you've done for us, all that you do for us every single day, God. We know that if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have breath in our lungs. And so as we dive into your word, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring in the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this room. Let us see you, let us know you, let our hearts and our minds be transformed by who you are, Jesus. Let us leave this place differently than how we walked in here tonight. We bless your holy name, and in, every, in your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, let's start at Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to go right at verse 1, and we're going to read um, a, a little section of it. But Paul starts chapter 3 um, by saying this, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, which basically means the stewardship, this is something Paul is stewarding, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Verse 3 says this, 
how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. Everyone say mystery. Again, remember we talked about the mystery of Christ Jesus that Paul talks about often in a lot of his letters. And we know that the mystery is the fact that Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. That's the mystery that we're going to read. But he goes on to say this, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it had now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Here's the mystery. You ready? Ready for it? This is Paul outlines it right here in verse 6. That the Gentiles, the Gentiles, everyone say Gentiles. That means this, if you are not of Jewish descent, you are a Gentile in this room. That's me. Is That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Like we talked about before, this was a revolutionary idea. No one was close to God. If you were outside of the Jewish nation, no one was close to God. Gentiles had no hope to be next to the Lord. But Paul says this, this is the mystery of the gospel, that not only does God want you close, but he wants to reside inside of you goes on in verse 7 to say this, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Wow. Paul's like a poet, man. This, like, just the way he speaks is so, is so amazing. But here's the idea that we want to pick up in the, ver- in the first seven verses, that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Okay, say this, Christ is in me. Christ is in me. He lives inside of me. That's the great mystery that we talked about. In verse 8, let's go on to verse 8. He says this, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh my goodness. Who wants, some of the, who wants to see some of the unsearchable riches of Christ? That's like, oh, that's all I want in life, right? I just want to see the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages, listen to this, this is cool, from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. That means this, God did not have a sudden change of heart about the Gentiles. That one day God was not sitting up in heaven and said, you know what, Jesus, maybe we should include everybody in this. Go down there, die on the cross, let's just round up everybody. No, 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 this was the plan from the very beginning. Before the foundations of the world were laid, God had in in his mind that he was gonna conceal this mystery inside of himself and I could see him holding on to this secret saying, man, one day I'm gonna open up my family and everybody who calls on the name of Jesus is gonna be saved. It doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter where you're born, where you're from, how much money you got, how much money you don't got, if you call on my name, you're a part of my family. And God hid this secret from the beginning, right? And Paul's saying, listen, he hid this and he, he revealed this to me. It's so amazing. Has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Watch this. We have to catch this. This is so crucial for us. It might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers 
in the heavenly places. This is why, this is the why, right? So we know what, we know that we're in Christ. This is why we are in Christ. The church needs to make known that we're in Christ, not for ourselves, not for us to know that, but for the powers and principalities in the heavenly places. You have been placed in Christ and God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers. Here's what that means. That means wherever you go, you preach this message that Christ is in you. Christ in you should make a difference to the powers and principalities over your life. That means you have the authority, you have the authority over this world. You have a message to send to this world, and that message is this, Christ is in here. You, you, you might have you kept me in sin before I gave my life to Christ. You might have power or authority over me, or, or sickness might have been able to keep me down in this stage of my life, but I'm different now. I'm not the same person. Christ has taken up residence in me, so you need to be aware of powers and principalities that Christ is in me. This is what Paul's saying. This is our message to the world. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse 12 and 13 goes on to say this, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Come on, you can have boldness and access and confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation for you, which is your glory. The purpose of Christ in you is for the world. You are not saved unto Christ just to be saved unto Christ for yourself. Christ in you is the hope of glory, not for yourself, but for the world. Come on, somebody in here knows the fact that if Jesus just tried to get you saved just to save you, the moment you would have put your faith in him, he'd have just plucked you off the earth, right, and taken you up. But you're not saved just for you. Christ doesn't live inside of you just for you. He lives inside of you for the world, so that through you, he can bless everybody around you, that through you, he can touch so many different people. This is one of the things that continues to boggle my mind, is that when Jesus lived on this earth, he told his story, he preached his message, and he, he entrusted this gospel to 11, minus 11 teenage boys. How many have teenagers? Would you even have or had teenagers, right? Would you even entrust your car keys to these teenagers? Absolutely not. But Jesus entrusted the entirety of the gospel to them and said, listen, this lives or dies, Peter, with you. What? That's crazy. But this is how, this is how Jesus, the Holy Spirit, this is how God has chosen to touch the world through you. God can come down. We know he can come down in flesh. Jesus was already here. We know that God can come down and he can do whatever he wants, right? He can do miracles, he signs, wonders, all of that. But he has chosen not to do that because he wants to do it through you. He wants to utilize me and you to bring hope to this world. This is the responsibility that we have now knowing that Christ is in us, not just for us, but for everyone around us. Let's look at verse 14. Paul goes on to say, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we got to check out why Paul is bowing down in prayer to the Father. 
from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. This is why Paul, like, let's put this together. This is why Paul is bowing his knees in prayer to the Father. He's asking, he's, he's petitioning the Father that, you, that, that, um, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened which, with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. This is it. This is what Paul is praying and petitioning for. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ. This is what Paul's desire is for you and for me. This is what he's asking the Father to do. He's asking the Father to reveal to us that we may know the love of Christ. Earlier in in verse 17, he says that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Paul Paul is not trying to convince you to operate out of love. What he's trying to get you to do is be found in love, right? I need us to understand this because Paul does this in a couple different places and we misinterpret it. We, we set it up to say this, I have to love my neighbor in order to pre- impress God. That's not, what it, that's not what he's saying here. He's not telling you to be rooted and grounded in love and, and like treat your coworker nice. He's saying you have, to be, you have to be standing on this foundation that Christ loves you. You have to be found in his love for you. And this, you, have to, you have to be rooted and grounded in it. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Watch this. This is funny. To know the love of God which passes knowledge. To know the love that you're unable to know. I pray that you will receive a revelation of love that you will not be able to express. Come on, has anybody found that kind of love in Jesus? I found that love that my words don't even do it justice. I can't even articulate the love that I've experienced from the Father. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is Paul's desire for you and for me, that we might know love. We might know love intimately. In verse 20, he says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is how Paul concludes this chapter. And, and this is one of the things that this is one of the things that I want to I want to put context to because a lot of times I've heard this verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, quoted and read and different things. And, and we utilize this verse often to receive something from the Lord, right? Like we use this verse sometimes, I've heard it this way, that that we can quote this verse and attach our expectation to get more from God because he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine. But, but the reality is, in context, Paul is talking about the reality that you will know the love of God. And he's saying this, my prayer is that you would know the love of God, and my, my conclusion to this prayer is that my God does more than I can even ask. 
So the expectation there, there is that you and I would not only know the love of God, but we would experience the love of God in ways that we can't even ask, think, or imagine because God goes exceedingly far above any expectations we can place on him. This is the beauty, the power of the gospel, that, that our desire is to know the unknowable. Our desire is to find the unfindable. It is a lifelong quest that for every moment of, this, of your existence on this earth, if you saw a glimpse of God from now until the day you die, you would only see a fraction of who he is. But this is our God. He continues to give us more and more and more. May Christ reveal to us the fullness of his love. How many want to see the fullness of his love? Come on, I want the fullness of Christ Jesus. May Christ reveal to us the fullness of his love. So that's Ephesians chapter 3. And it's really important that we, we, we go into chapter 4 because there's a holistic idea that I want us to see here. And Paul starts off um, this idea by saying, by talking about the mystery and saying, you have to be found in love with Jesus. Then he goes on to say this. Watch in chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So Paul is basically encouraging us to get along. He's saying, therefore, remember, he, say, he, he picks up this idea of saying you have to be in love with Jesus, be found and rooted and grounded in love, and then I need you to get along with one another. I need you, I need you to get along with one another, and there's a very specific reason why Paul goes in and, and, and says this, but in verse 3, he goes on to say this, endeavoring to keep the unity, everyone say unity, unity. keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I don't know how much clearer Paul can be, but he wants us to be one. <laughs> Did anybody pick up on that? Maybe a little inkling that might be what he's saying, right? He's saying that we need to be one. We need to be in unity. First, he encourages us to say that we have to be found in love with Jesus. Then we have to be found in one with one another. The body of Christ has to be one. It's so important, and this is why it's so important. We're going to find out in a second, but it's so crucial that you and I, the people in this room, are one in Christ, it's so crucial. Walk in unity with one another. And this is, this is why it's so important. In verse 7, he goes on to say this, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Everyone say gifts. He gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above, you guys, oh, there you go, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now watch this, verse 11, this is so good. And he himself gave some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So these are the gifts that he gave. So Jesus descended and he ascended, and when he left us, he gave us gifts. You've been given a gift by the Holy Spirit. Every person in this room is equipped with a gift. This is why it's so crucial that we walk into unity with one another, because I need your gift. We can't be disunified because then our gifts are isolated from one another. We need each other's gifts to grow in the Lord. I can't live my life apart from you because he gave you something that he didn't give me. And I need what's inside of you. This is the misconception in the church, though. If you're not standing on this stage, you don't have one of these gifts. That's the misconception. Or if you do have one of these gifts, you need to get on the stage. Because we have this idea that if you're a pastor, evangelist, prophet, whatever, you should be running the church. But that's not true at all. Christ gave all of you, every person in this room has one of these gifts. I know, I know Steve Medvets isn't here. He texts me he's not going to be here tonight. But Steve, if you know Steve, he wouldn't consider himself a pastor. But he is a pastor. He has the gift of a pastor. He is one of the most kind, concerned people that I know in this church. He genuinely pastors us me included. He pastors us. Does he preach on Sunday? No. Has he seen this stage before during a service? No. You'll never, most of you might not even know who he is because that's his gift. His gift doesn't need a stage. He is a pastor and he functions as a pastor in the church and everybody in the church is blessed by his pastoring. This is the idea that we have to shatter in the church is that just because you don't hold a microphone or stand on the stage doesn't mean you don't have one of these. Everybody in this room has one of these everybody. And it is by these gifts that we grow. Watch this. Verse 12, he goes on to say this, that these gifts, nope, there you go, are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Jesus gave these gifts for the work of the saint, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that Jesus gave these gifts so that we can disciple one another. That's what those words mean. Those words mean discipleship. Those words mean this. We come to Jesus in love, we're found in love, and then we're discipled, and we're, we grow we were built up by one another and we grow in our faith. Watch this. He goes on to say this in verse 13. Till we all come together to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. Raise your hand if you're perfect. No, put your hands down. No one's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, Mark. You're not perfect. Put that hand down, brother. <laughs> but that, that word perfect doesn't mean that you're flawless. That word perfect means complete. It means mature. That means this, that, that our gifts should be utilized amongst each other for the maturing of the saints, to help you and I grow in our maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Watch this. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. Everybody say, well, do this. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. Be nice, though. He said, speak it in love. Truth, the truth in love. 
So say grow up nicely to your neighbor. Just grow up, you know. (laughs) But Paul says that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part, somebody say every part, say it again, every part, every part, not just Pastor Troy, every part, come on, say it, every part, every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, that every body, every part of the body causes growth. You cannot think less of yourself. You are a part of this body, and your job in the body of Christ is to cause growth. (laughs) We are not called to sit back and digest a word that comes on Sunday morning. We're not called to sit back and just receive and get and get. We are called to cause growth. You are a growth causer. You help people grow up. You know, just the other day, we were sitting with a, a handful of guys over Zoom, and John, John Hummer was sharing his testimony, and John Hummer, through the, the testimony of the Lord that he gave, caused growth in my life. He caused me to grow. As a part of the body, he caused me to grow. He didn't, he didn't stand on a stage. He didn't sing a song. I don't know if you want John singing. Probably not. She said, she said no. But... Um, but, but Jacqueline, she, she ran away, huh? Because she knew I was going to get her to come up here and sing. You want Jacqueline singing, not John. Jacqueline's his daughter. But anyways, um, but he, he wasn't ministering from up here. He was simply sharing what Jesus did in his life, and he caused growth. This is, this is my deepest desire, and, and the, the main thing I want to get across tonight. You have to be a person who causes growth in this house. You have to be. If you're a part of the body, you must cause growth. And it looks different for every single person. If you're a prophet, you do not need a microphone to cause growth in somebody. If you're a prophet, on Sunday morning when somebody walks in and you feel the inkling of the Lord and you you get a word in your spirit, go cause growth for them. If you're a teacher, and man, you love to teach, you don't need a microphone or a stage to teach, you can find some some believers who you know are are immature in the faith and teach them, instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Say, hey, I just want to let you know that this is what I learned when I was just starting out in my faith. That is causing growth. If you're a pastor, pastor people. If you're an apostle, be an apostle. Be a mother and father over somebody's life. You don't have to be operating and be a paid minister on staff in order to function in one of these offices. But every single one of us have to cause growth in our life. I love the way Paul says this. Go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. One more. I love how he says this. By which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. (laughs) I love that, that we are to edify ourselves. We think that we always have to like, I want to say this carefully. We think that we always have to go to somebody who is so much further beyond us in order to get anything. Like, oh man, that pastor's been doing it for, you know, 50 years. I want to go and I want him to lay hands on me and just like get all of his, his juice, you know, all of his mojo anointing juice that I can just be super special, you know, like, but we think that that's how it works. It doesn't work like that. The person sitting next to you can build you up. The person sitting behind you can edify you, can 
grow you, can help mature you. The body grows itself. I love how Paul says that. And this is why it's so important. We walk in unity with one another for the edification and the discipleship of the saints. Somebody say discipleship. That is the missing link in the church today. Discipleship. We don't have discipleship because we don't have relationship outside of these services. And it doesn't take much these days. Like, man, I was sitting in my basement, in my pajamas, eating dinner. Right, James? I was munching. I forgot what I had, but y'all were hating on my dinner. It was like pancakes. It, yeah, James was hating on my dinner. It was, uh, what was it? It was uh, cottage cheese pancakes. <laughs> and listen, they're good, guys. You just, I know, they sound gross. And James said the same thing. He was like, no, never in a million years. But they were really good. And I was eating at home eating my cottage cheese pancakes, and I was listening to John Hummer edify me and build me up. I know it's goofy, but you can do it, is what I'm saying, is you don't have to travel far distances. You can hop on your phone, set up FaceTime, call a friend, and just begin to edify one another. Send a text message and say, hey, I saw you at church, and I just want to let you know that I was praying for you, and the Lord said this, and, and blah, 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 blah. But, but the responsibility that we need to adopt is, man, I have to be discipled and be a discipler. We have to build each other up. That is why we have to first be in unity, but we have to be committed to discipleship. Paul goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This is kind of the, the next phase. So, so, you know, we're found in love. We're discipling one another. And then this is what Paul goes on to next. He says this, This I say, therefore, testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Oof. This, this part might get a little bumpy, all right? Fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a little turbulent uh, rest of this chapter here. But he says, walk in, the futility, walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because they don't know. There's a lot of ignorance in Christians. Not because they've done anything wrong, but because we haven't done a good job at discipling. And so we haven't done a great job at discipling, and we, we assume that once people pray the prayer that we pray every Sunday, and I ask them to raise their hand and they pray the prayer, we assume that they would have the willpower to stop living in darkness. But they're ignorant because they haven't been, been discipled. So Paul's saying this, you've been discipled, you have no excuse. Stop living Stop living like that. These people are ignorant. You're not ignorant. You know, you know what's up. He says the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. This, was, this stuck out to me because if we remember in Ephesians chapter 1, um, we, we talked about Ephesians chapter 1, 17, we asked the Lord to bring us wisdom and understanding for the enlightenment of our heart. This is the opposite of that, the blindness of their heart. And so as wisdom and revelation come into play, we see God, our heart is enlightened, but when you don't have wisdom and revelation, you're walking in blindness. Verse 19, it says this, who being past, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Everybody say learned Christ. That is the process of discipleship. You don't, you don't get saved knowing Christ. You, you don't come to him with the fullness of the knowledge. This is, this is the work that you and I put in after we've been saved. We've learned 
Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22 says this, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed, everyone say renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Chapter three and chapter four. There's a lot there. But this is what I want us to see. The love of Christ plus discipleship equals new life in Christ. The love of Christ plus discipleship equals new life in Christ. Paul finishes up this chapter and says this, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, watch this, this is so beautiful, that it may impart grace to the hearer. That mean, like, you, that's a good way of putting it. I've heard it said this way. If you don't have anything nice to say, shut up. Anybody heard that before? This is what Paul's saying in a very graceful way. If you don't have anything nice to say, be quiet. Because the words that come out of our mouth should impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And Paul finishes up chapter 4 with this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This is, this is why these two chapters are so significant in, 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 in my life right now. Because I believe that we have skipped discipleship and gone straight to behavior modification in the church. We get somebody who doesn't know Jesus, right? Somebody who's not saved and we say, hey, hey, there's a mystery that you can be a part of. This mystery is this, that Christ can be in you. He's the hope of glory. We're really good at that part. And we get people to raise their hand. We get people to pray prayers. We get people to commit their life to Jesus. And then we skip over discipleship and we say, now don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And they're like, who's the Holy Spirit? What are you talking about? And we go straight to try to modify their behavior. And we say, don't do this. You need to do this. Now stop doing this. Now put this away. Don't do that. Don't, don't, come, don't come into church smelling like that, okay? You can't do that. And you got to put on these clothes. You got to do all this stuff, right? And when we skip the discipleship practice, uh, the part of the, of the equation, and we go straight into trying to modify their behavior. But when we read through um, Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4, we see the appropriate way we are to mature somebody in Christ. We see it, plain as day. Paul lays it out. He begins in chapter three, we read it, by being found in Christ. We have to encourage people to be rooted and grounded in love, in love with Jesus. Listen, if you're not in love with Jesus, everything that comes next is gonna fail. 
You have to be built on this foundation that you are in love with him. And then, watch, this is my little equation for a mature Christian. You ready? Be found in Christ and then know the love of Christ and then be discipled by the body. This is the missing link here because we don't disciple people. We just, we say that Jesus loves you, so don't do that stuff. But no, we have, church, we have to get back to true discipleship, true discipleship. We've gotten away from it because it's easier to gather in a big group and then leave without truly revealing who we are. It's easy to come in here on a Sunday and kind of hide our stuff a little bit, sit down, throw a few amens up there, and then leave, and then just kind of feel good for a couple days. All the while, we're, 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 we're living the same, we're living the same age over and over again. Like there, there, was a, there was a Christian speaking on discipleship and he said this. He said, I feel like I, I was a Christian for 20 years, but I lived year one for 20 years. I'm a one-year-old that has lived his life for 20 years. I've never grown up. I've never gone past one years old. Why? Because he's attended church, but he was never discipled. He, knew, he was found in God's love, but he was still a baby. He, doesn't, he didn't know Christ. He just loved him. And so many Christians find themselves here. They, they, they are in love with Jesus, but they just don't know. They're ignorant in their heart. And it's not, it's not their fault. It's our fault as the church because we haven't discipled them. We must disciple one another. And then that's when behavior modification comes. Then once we're discipled, we understand these things. Our eyes are open. We, we have people to lean on. We have instructors. We have teachers and prophets and apostles and all these people to support us. Then I can modify my behavior so to not grieve the Holy Spirit. But man, stop telling that new Christian that just gave their heart to Jesus like a couple of weeks ago to stop doing bad things. That's silly. Instead of doing that, disciple them. Grow them up in, this, in, this, in the Holy Spirit. Like just a couple weeks ago, I heard, I heard uh, there was a lady that was at a church and she came, um, she came up to this, this young girl that, you know, she was there, but she, she was really contemplating giving her heart to Jesus. She wasn't fully committed to him. And, and this lady had an issue with this young girl's t-shirt. And she walked up to her to reprimand her on the logo that was on her shirt. I was like, whoa, whoa hold on, time out. I know that's probably not the best logo to come in with church, but she's here. She's a church. Like, she's at church. <laughs> she doesn't have to be here. She's here. And instead of trying to modify her wardrobe, let's tell her how much Jesus loves her. Let's disciple her. Let's build her up so that she knows Jesus and she makes the decision to say, I don't want to wear this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit because I, I know who he is. I've seen him. I've learned about him. I've, I've been encouraged in the Lord, and I know now. I'm not ignorant anymore. I know now who Jesus is. Now let me adjust my behavior. But church, you don't have to try to fix people. Just try to disciple people. And discipling isn't hard. I want to give you some practical things to do here. Like, discipling's not difficult. In fact, I want everybody to do this. Just commit to do this. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just commit to do this. When I was in, uh, when I was in Bible school, I was a part of this team. I was in the second year of my schooling, and um, my, the leader of our team said, okay, I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you a freshman 
who you can begin to disciple. And I was like, all right. And so I just prayed to the Holy Spirit. I think I've shared this story before. But I saw this kid. He was walking down. There was probably 1,500 people in this auditorium. This young guy, he was walking down the aisle. He had a really goofy backpack. It was like a zebra-striped backpack. And I saw him, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's him. You, you need to disciple him. And I, you know, I didn't listen because, well, yeah, I just, I, you know, I'm not a great leader or a great listener right now. So I didn't listen that well, and so um, I didn't talk to him. But then later that day, we were playing basketball, and there was this kid I was playing basketball with. He was new. I didn't know him. And he was just like the worst person ever. He was one of those people that just talked and talked and talked and talked, and he wasn't even that good. I'm like, why are you talking so much? You're not even good at basketball. And he was just yapping, and I'm like, dude, this kid is annoying. And then after we get done, he goes over and he puts his stuff in that zebra-striped backpack. And I was like, oh, man, are you serious, Jesus? That's like the worst practical joke ever. A couple years ago, this was 10 years ago now, I had this, I first met him. A year and a half ago, I did him and his wife's wedding. He's one of my best friends. I talk to him like at least once a week. And I have over the last 10 years been able to disciple him. And our discipleship, I guess, is a fancy word for friendship. <laughs> I'm his friend. He comes to me and says, hey, man, like I'm going through this. Like, do you have any, can you pray for me? Do you have any advice? And I shoot him some advice and I, we talk about life and we help each other grow. Like, I don't want you to be intimidated by discipleship. I don't want you to think like, oh, I don't, I can't disciple somebody. Like, let's replace that word discipleship with friendship. Just be a friend to somebody. Can we commit to be a friend to somebody? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to do the same thing I did 10 years ago. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that individual to you. And maybe you can be a little bit better than me and obey <laughs> instead of run away. But man, this Sunday, I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to answer this this Sunday. That as we walk into service on Sunday, he's going to highlight somebody in this room. And it's just going to be like a spotlight over their head. And he's going to say, I want you to disciple them. And all I want you to do is go up to them. Don't be weird, okay? Don't be weird. Don't be like, listen, the Lord has set me to fix your life. Don't do that. That's weird. Don't do that. Just go up to him and say, hey, the Lord, you, you know, I don't know. Just be like, hey, what's your name? My name's Dominic. Do you want to come over to my house? <laughs> just kidding. That's weird. But just be a friend, you know? I don't know how not to be weird. I'm just a weird guy. But just be their friend. Just get to know them. Just be genuine and get to know them and create a relationship with them. And before you know it, you're going to grow, they're going to grow, and you're going to be like, wow, discipleship's fun. <laughs> discipleship is fun. It's easy to watch each other. It's easy to, it's fun to watch each other grow, and it's easy to do. Amen? So do this for me. Stand to your feet as we conclude this service. The idea for today is I am loved by Christ, discipled by his people, and I walk in holiness. I'm loved by Christ, discipled by his people, and I walk in holiness. This is what I believe is the process that Paul gives us, the process of mature Christianity, mature Christianity, not shallow Christianity, but grown up mature Christian, is the knowledge that you're loved by Christ, you're committed to being discipled, and you walk in holiness. Holy Spirit, right now, we just ask you to come in your wisdom, and your revelation, and would you give us an experience similar to what I had 10 years ago, 
Maybe even now, tonight, Holy Spirit, you're going to highlight some different individuals in this room that you're going to want us to be in relationship with. We step out of our comfort zone, our box, our, our, our little way of doing church where we sneak in, we sneak out, we don't talk to anybody, and we just, we just have fun and then go home. We're done doing that. We want to be mature Christians. We want to be deep Christians who know you, Jesus, who know the fullness of who you are. We don't want to just try to modify our behavior, but we want to be in love with you and know you. Would you help us, Jesus, as the body to grow itself? You've placed amongst us in this room apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors, and you've given us so many gifts, God, and we've been, we haven't been using them. So we ask that you would highlight our gift, help us to be in relationship with one another, and as we grow and mature in Christ, will you continue to give us the fullness of who you are, God? We want to be able to contain more and more and more and more of you. We love you, we bless you, and we honor you tonight. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. So this is going to be, so we have all the names of everybody that's here tonight, and this is going to be required next week to get back in. You got to give us the name of your disciple okay? You're not going to be allowed back in the building unless you say, this is the person I found, okay? So Sunday, by the latest, we got to find that individual, and I want you in relationship, connected, discipling, growing in Christ. Amen? Hey, we got some pastors and leaders that are going to come up to the front. If you're here and you need prayer, you need anything at all, we want to pray with you. We want to bless you. We want to encourage you. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, man, we talked about a lot tonight, but the most important thing we talked about is being found in Christ. Don't leave this room without being found in Christ. We want to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. Remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard, and we'll see you guys on Sunday. Have a great week.